so good to see you all. So glad that you are here. Um, we love Hoover. Uh, Hoover is wonderful. Uh, we are glad to be a part of this church family. I know you are too. Uh, and Sunday nights, a great time to uh, be here with uh, a little bit smaller group, a little bit more intimate setting, and just think about some things together. I always try not to complain about weather. I remember my mother trying to instill this in me when I was a kid, probably because I would complain about when it was too hot, then complain when it was too cold, and then so on and so forth. Um, so I tried, and I think it worked, because I feel pretty content, no matter what the weather is these days. Um, and rain is something that we've had a lot of lately. And so some of us, may have at sometimes said things like, I wonder when it'll ever stop raining. Um, and we've, we've looked around and seen how wet everything's gotten. If you happen to live in a flood zone, I'm sorry. Um, but you remember last year, just last year, it was a, there was a, a drought and uh, lots of things um, suffered because of that. But I love rain. Uh, I love that first smell. Um, when the rain starts to fall, and um, it, it's it's beautiful. Rain, rain is is a wonderful thing. Of course, with rain uh, comes uh, rainbows often, and and that's a beautiful thing, uh, a sign of God's promise. Uh, but that rain is pure. Uh, it's often cool, very refreshing, not only to us but to the world around us. But I want to take your attention for a few moments to some rain that was none of those things, uh, at least not at first. This rain was confusing. Uh, this rain was something that had never been seen, especially in, uh, in this form and in this, uh, this amount. And I think about the children who were out playing on that day when the rain of the flood in Noah's day began to fall. I think about those children seeing something that they've never seen before and, and just like uh, children today when they experience something for the first time, um, they maybe are at first timid about it, not knowing exactly what's going on, but give a child a little bit of time, and if it's not hurting them, and especially if it's something fun like water, they'll begin to, to, to ease up and to play. But on this day, this was no, no situation for play and for lightheartedness because the parents of these children who inhabited the earth at that time I wonder, I wonder how they reacted. I wonder how they interacted with their children. Um, Noah, of course, had been preaching uh, for, for uh, years and years and years and years. Um, he, he was the, maybe the crazy old man building the, the wooden structure. Uh, I, I don't know if they had made fun of him, made, you know, mocked him, of course, but you know, if they had nicknames for him, I don't know. But of course, exactly what he had said was going to happen was beginning to happen. And I wonder how those parents 
of children in that day began to feel. I wonder if they reassured their children that everything was going to be okay. And I wonder if they silently wept in a corner knowing that they had doomed their own them, themselves and their families. No doubt they, they were watching, they were worried, and they hadn't heeded Noah's warning. Um, I imagine uh, a wide array of emotions were felt depending on uh, personalities and depending on how what exposure they had to the message. But I imagine that some of them certainly would have felt ashamed um, and many of them uh, sad, uh, some perhaps angry. Um, but as the waters rose, the joy would have left the children's eyes, fear would set in, and the sad thing is, even at this point, uh, m many of them probably still trusting in their parents to save them. But we know that, that no, one, no one but Noah and his family survived the flood. Genesis 7, verse 18, And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. And so it's easy for us to sit here um, and, and to pass down judgment, to say how heartless, how completely unloving and uncaring of these parents, not only to condemn themselves to die, but, but to refuse to save their innocent children uh, to death by, by drowning. And the parents certainly had had a chance to protect their children, um, but other things, other reasons, other, other, other things had gotten in the way and had been more important to them than listening to Noah's warnings. Perhaps some of them loved their own way of life more than they loved the truth. You ever been there? Sometimes we, we like to hear what we want to hear more than we want to hear what we need to hear. And I wonder how many of those parents w fell into that category. I wonder how many of them were just too busy to really give a lot of thought to his warnings. We've never seen this before. We don't really know what you're building. That's not something that we've seen. After all. And God didn't come to them individually the way that he did to Noah. Perhaps they just had better things to do. Life's too short to... Uh, to Think about something like doomsday. Let, let's just enjoy life while we're, while we're here. Uh, and to their credit, a, a long time passed you know, from the first warning uh, until uh, the flood began. Maybe some of them said, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And of course, that final warning was given seven days before uh, the rain came. And so then the thought becomes, well, could anything, could anything be more cruel than this? And it, it, is, it is hard to wrap your head around, but I think if we're honest, we understand that there are a lot more complications to it than simply, uh, we know exactly what, I know exactly what I would have done. After all, keep in mind, the entire world fell into this category except for uh, one man 
and his uh, immediate family and, the, and their wives. So, but when we understand, uh, to, to go back to the question, could anything be more cruel than that? Uh, when I understand that those little children died in a, in a saved state, innocent of sins, headed toward a home with, with God in heaven, it, it's not hard to see that there could be a worse tragedy. There could be something more careless, more cruel than what we see happening to these children. Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 says, The soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, nor the father bear the iniquity of the son. Uh, little children are not to the point where they can make uh, those choices uh, of a sound uh, and competent mind, and they can, they can sin against God. They're not there yet. When they, when they grow and when they sin against God, then they would answer for those. But they're not going to die because of the iniquities of their parents, not, not spiritually. Matthew 18, 3, unless you are converted and become as a little child. Um, there's an innocence, uh, an inborn innocence that children possess. And God's aware of that. He's made us aware of that. Uh, and so... These children who died that day, who, who died uh, in the flood waters, went to be with God. And, and again, when we see, we can see based on those two facts uh, that a greater crime and a, a greater act of cruelty than watching these children or, or failing to save these children in the flood would be to watch that child grow up without steering them toward God, without steering them toward the path that God has laid out for us to travel and watching them grow up and, and lose their eternal soul. Our children have so much potential and they, they are... Uh, a joy to us, and, and there are so many good things about our children and children today. I, I know sometimes youth get uh, a bad reputation because of uh, all the things that you see going on and, and the bad decisions that some make, but there's so much good, and I, I hope we can all see that and, and agree on that. But our children are swimming in a sea of worldliness. Um, we are living in a world that is absolutely saturated um, in so many of the things that we know will harm them in a worse way than a physical death would, in, in a spiritual way, in, in ways that will injure and damage the heart. And without, without warnings, if, if we aren't, warning them, then they're in more trouble than even those children on, on that day. So I want to speak to parents for a few minutes, um, and I want the young people to listen too, because uh, all the warnings in the world uh, don't amount to anything if they're not heeded. If you don't listen, if you don't act on 
those warnings and take them to heart, then, then they're not going to help you. But so parents have a, a responsibility. Um, from, from the Old Testament, we, we quote the verse a lot and we, we talk about the teaching of the statutes of God's law to our children. It's a wonderful verse there in Deuteronomy 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so the first question is, I hope we're all recognizing how important or, or how many opportunities that we have before us every day to let our children see God, but they won't, they won't see those, we won't see those opportunities if we ourselves aren't seeking him, if, if we aren't trying to know him better uh, in the first place. But one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is to open their eyes and to see God in every direction. Uh, I've mentioned this psalm so many times and I don't want to, I don't want to run it down, but I don't think that'd be possible in Psalm, Psalm 104, if you read that psalm and, and the places, the physical places on earth that it, it puts God or God puts himself, it really is the case that every direction you look, whether up toward the sky, out across the waters, the trees, the grass, all, all those, any, any direction that we could look, God, God's presence is evident. Uh, and he wants us to associate him with those places and, and those things in the world. And if, if our children do that, then, then they're going to begin to, to see him in every, every direction they look as well. So everyday chances, everyday opportunities, those are the ones that probably mean the most. Um, a mission trip is a wonderful thing, but if I take my children on a mission trip, but day by day throughout the year, I don't let them see God in me. I don't let them see Christ living in me and the way that I treat them and the things that I do and the time that I spend, then I'm, I'm not going to find that one big thing is going to make as much difference as a, a million small things. Let's talk for a minute about restraint. And, and this is a, a difficult passage in 1 Samuel. If, you'll, if you want to turn along and, and look in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Bible tells us of the prophet Eli, or Eli the priest, who had two sons, who uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12 says they were worthless men. And that's hard to swallow. That, that, that's difficult to read, especially when you think about it in the context of these, are, these two men are this man's sons. Um, this man, Eli, who, who was a good man, he, he tried to do right, he tried to live for God, but his two sons were worthless men. They, they committed all kinds of evil in God's sight. And I, I will not, uh, it, you could go and read about the kinds of things they were doing and you'd be as appalled as you would as if you turned on the, the news tonight and look at you know, some of the worst things that are going on in the world. But in... 1 Samuel chapter 2, I want to read verses 22 
through 24. Now Eli was very old and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings or dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good, uh, no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. And so Eli knows what his sons are doing and, and he comes to them. He goes to his sons and he says, you can't do this. Don't, don't do this before God. Don't do this to me. And he pleads with them. And we see this picture and, and the thoughts that run through my mind are of, you know, of, of a desperate parent. It uh, doesn't matter what age your children are, but of a desperate parent who's just cannot figure out what to do with his, with his sons. But really, the more difficult part of the story comes next. In chapter 3, in verse 13, here's the judgment passed down. And I declare to him, Eli, to Eli, that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Punish his house forever for the iniquity or the sins that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Uh, and so, you know, we go back to what we've just read and you see, you know, what's going to come, out, come up in many of our minds is, well, Eli had reprimanded his sons. Look, there he went to them and, and he told them, you must not do this. And some of us would venture to say, well, he, he did all that he could, he could do. Yet... The judgment was upon him because he did not or had not restrained his son. So the task for us now as parents is to be looking for ways that we can teach, ways that we can and should restrain while we have opportunity, while we have authority, while we have power over our children. Um, and so we need to, we need to be reminded. We, we need to wake up to uh, these responsibilities. Um, y yes, there are some things that, that we will not be able to stop our children from doing. And each and every one of them will make mistakes. And, and this judgment upon Eli's house was not based on the fact that his sons did some wrong. Because all men, all women will do wrong. And, and the New Testament is, is riddled with uh, the, the knowledge and the, the, the truth that everyone sins. Um, that, that we are all guilty of sin, that we all fall short. Um, but that there is a difference between stumbling in sin and walking in sin. 
But I encourage parents to train and to teach and to parent with our heavenly glasses on, with our eyes fixed on things that are deeper, things that are more meaningful than, uh, than the things that are right in front of us day by day. Let your children see you placing a high value on spiritual things. Let them see that it's important to you and it will at least be somewhat more important to them. They, they still are going to have to choose. Faith is a choice. Um, I think it's a choice that's, that's backed up by, by much evidence. There are more than enough reasons to have faith, but it is a choice. And, and so we, we do all that we can to give our kids, our kids the best opportunity uh, that they can to learn the value of spiritual things. Uh, we, we could go down a long list of things that, you know, we, and we could probably even debate or, or, or argue some about, well, this or that, that, that we could or should restrain our children from. But some of the things that I notice uh, through the years um, working with teenagers and, and uh, seeing patterns develop and, and uh, things that different ones are involved in that, uh, that are in, in a little bit more uh, trouble than others. And, and I, would, I would throw these few little things out. Uh, entertainment choices are, are actually pretty important. Um, so in order to, to help them make good choices with their entertainment, it, we need to try to be involved in what they're watching, listening to, posting, clicking on, all, all those different things. And hey, that's difficult because um, there are times when your children like things that you don't like. Uh, and it's hard to get involved in a show or a game or, or songs that, that you really maybe don't have any desire toward. But we do that because we want to make sure uh, that, they're, that they are being steered in the right direction by their entertainment choices. Uh, they get on up older, and then I, I, I see a lot of choices being made about parties and get-togethers that kids go to. Um, you do the math, use your common sense, because we, we understand that a lot of... Uh, it, it actually hasn't changed that much, at least since I was in, in school, and I, I'm fairly certain... It was the same way when uh, some of y'all who are a few years older than me were in school as well. But, but many of these parties where a high percentage of them have always involved alcohol and drugs and, and promiscuity um, and other elements that can cloud judgment. And those are things that we want to try to protect our kids from uh, because they don't need their judgment clouded any more than it already is by age. Um, There are things that we can do uh, with our, our children's dating habits, things that we can restrain them from, uh, things that we can regulate, privileges that we can give and take away. And, and so the, the idea, though, is to keep our eyes on things that are above and to help them do that, too. We love our kids, so we want to make the best choices that we can and help them um, make the best choices also, and help them guard their souls as, and, and guard ours as well. 
and th there is an element of warning our children that needs to be done. And, and we shouldn't be doomsday preachers and, and teachers to our, our kids because I think the greatest lesson we can teach our young people is the immense love that is showered upon us uh, as children of the Most High God. And, and when we can get them to, to learn to have that intimate relationship with Christ and, and learn to to see him and to know that he's still active, that he's living, that he works and that he, he, he blesses and guides even today. But we also want to warn them um, about what awaits the disobedient. And, and along the lines of what uh, the situation with Eli the priest, uh, there, there is the idea that we are to be watchmen. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 3, verses, beginning in verse uh, 16. And at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And so, if anyone is a watchman, it's a parent. Uh, if anyone is, is to guard and watch and protect and lead, it's a parent. And we have so many responsibilities that it can be overwhelming and, and this, like so many other things, I think would be an impossible task if, if it were not for the help that is offered to us from God. So warn your children of the destructive uh, sin that's rising all around them. Make them aware that, uh, that there are so many things that they don't need to trifle with or, or, or play around with uh, because so many of these seemingly uh, insignificant things can become life-changing addictions uh, and, and can lead a, a young person completely down a path they don't want. We don't want them to go. Floodwaters are rising all around our, our children, our friends, our loved ones. Um, waters that are just as destructive as the floodwaters from Noah's day. Um, it's not an easy thing to warn others about danger, especially when they don't, many don't want to believe that there is danger. And, and we're not guaranteed that they'll listen. J just like um, Ezekiel uh, was told, if, if you tell them and they don't listen, well, they, their, soul will, they'll, their soul will be required of them, but you will have saved your own. You know, the whole world, the whole world shut their, eye, their ears to Noah's warnings. Um, 
Noah preached the, wor the word to a world of sinners. He warned them of a great flood that would come and destroy the world. And they'd never seen rain. Uh, they, 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 many didn't believe the danger that, that had been foretold. But we are also commissioned to warn, warn sinners, to warn them of a great day, uh, to warn them of a time when the skies will be opened, the Lord will be presented with the sound of a trumpet and a shout, and time as we know it will end. And our task of warning the world of this day is equal um, to the task that, that Noah had in warning people of something that they've never seen and in warning them of something uh, that seems outlandish to many. But the danger is there and it is real. And so the question for us is who, who is important enough to us to reach out, to, to try to get them to believe the warning, to get them to listen and, and to, upon hope, uh, give them an eternal reward. Um, and on the converse, are there those in your life that are just not that important to you, that, that you would stand by and, and chance that they, will be, that they will be saved or that they will be lost? I hope that uh, as we go forth this week, uh, we will, first of all, see God uh, in the directions that we look. Up, down, all around, God should be, uh, God should be visible to us. Um, sometimes, some days he's harder to see than others. Sometimes uh, when darkness is thick, it's harder to see him. But he's there and, and he's waiting for us to open our eyes again and to see him anew uh, and then to shine that light so others can see him too. If you're not a Christian, uh, tonight your warning has been, uh, has been spoken. We, we've given you uh, some, some things to think about and if you're not a follower of Christ at this moment, uh, I hope you'll consider it seriously um, before uh, time runs out. And if you are a Christian and, and, and your life has uh, taken a turn and, and you've given up, if you've just completely turned your back on God and, and you know that you, don't, that you don't want to be away from Him any longer, um, maybe just in your own heart you need, to, you need to make some changes. Or if we can help you in any way, uh, we would be happy to do that. But whatever your need, why don't you come now as we stand and sing together.